You're listening to Fireside Chats Without the Fires podcast, where customer experience enthusiasts are inspired by our weekly CX practitioners and thought leaders who share their insights and knowledge. And now, here are your hosts, Neil Toff and Paul Catherall. Fireside Chats Without the Fires, Friday, October 15th. This is Season 2, Episode 35, and this is going to be a great one. CX of the rich and famous. And if that doesn't get you to open your eyes and ears, I don't know what will, because we're going to delve into what it, what the rich and famous want in their customer experiences. And we're going to challenge anything and everything that's related to that. So if you are rich and famous, put on your seatbelt. If you're aspirationally rich and famous like I am and Paul is, also put on your seatbelt because we're going to challenge lots of common thoughts in this, in this segment. We are so thrilled to welcome Professor Dr. Phil Klaus. Uh, thank you so much, Professor Dr. Klaus, for joining us. This, by the way, is uh, the first time as an exclusive guest on this podcast that we've had the opportunity to, inter- to interview you and share the, uh, the space with you uh, with the CX World Games. So this is uh, not our first rodeo together, as we say over here, but we're so thrilled to have the chance to spend some time with you. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. I'm delighted to be here, and I'm really looking forward to our conversation. Fantastic. So uh, for those of you that uh, don't yet know uh, Professor Dr. Phil Klaus, he is a uh, full professor of customer experience, strategy, and management at the International University of Monaco. Uh, He is also the non-executive chairman of the board of the Phil Klaus Customer Experience Institute. uh, he has a, just a, a wonderful background, and there's so many different uh, angles and things that we could address together with him. What we're going to focus on today um, as part of this title, CX of the Rich and Famous, is an article that he recently published called What Matters Most to Ultra High Net Worth Individuals? Exploring the UHNWI, which is the Ultra High Net Worth Individual Luxury Customer Experience. And we will include the article uh, with Dr. Uh, Klaus's, uh, Professor Dr. Klaus's permission. We will, we will include this uh, when we post it. Um, it is an academic article, but there's some really great uh, concepts in here for those of us that are not in academia that really pertain, I think, to our day-to-day lives as managers in the customer experience space. Um, Professor Dr. Klaus, could you just kind of walk us through a little bit, what is this article about? Um, what does it say? It's it's an easy read, actually, by the way. But Oh, thank you. Because yeah. normally we don't have the easiest reads. Normally we have the reputation that we tell managers things they already know in a language they can hardly understand. <laughs> uh, when you first shared it, that it might be a little bit dense and, and it was going to take some time. No, it was actually quite, quite an easy read. I, I was able to speed through it. Yeah, uh, we are always, uh, let me put it in this way, uh, my research in particular has always one focus. And the focus is it should bring something to a manager that they can take away on Monday morning to improve the performance of their companies. And in this case, it's the luxury context, but not just any luxury context, it's the uber luxury context. So what we're, we're in a quite in a fortunate situation because I'm located in Monaco. In Monaco, uh, if you look for ultra high net worth individuals or billionaires, you just have to walk on the street and touch somebody. Most likely you will get one or two of them. So while we are there, what we were looking at, um, I'm doing customer experience research 
meaning trying to find out what matters most to clients for the last 15 years. And always convert that into managerial tools that people can apply. Therefore, I'm also, uh, for example, our institute looks at the future of customer experience in luxury, etc., etc. So what is this all about? When we looked at customer experience, we had a big discussion about is it always the same? What matters most to people? Good quality, et cetera, et cetera, you know, yada, 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 seamless experiences and everything that comes up, all the jargon. But what we said is, mm, well, people are people, you know, and people are not connected to a particular product or to a industry. So we believe what matters to most of us matters also to the billionaires and the ultra high net worth individuals. Of course, my colleagues from luxury didn't agree with me. They say, oh, luxury is so special. It's so different. It's about prestige. It's about status. It's about hedonistic value and everything that comes with it. And as a scientist, we are rather, how shall I say, unbiased. Our master is the truth. So as I said, we are in Monaco and we now have with my colleague, uh, Dr. Risa Takwini Poli, we have a very unique sample. As a matter of fact, uh, a week ago, somebody says us this sample, we didn't even know it exists. We have a sample of over a panel of over 100 ultra high net worth individuals, which we talk to on a frequent basis, And they share their experiences in all kinds of, how shall I say, parts of their lives. We started out looking at how they buy super yachts, meaning this real, real big boats. Then we looked at private aviation, meaning private jets, private helicopters, etc., etc. Then we went into art collection. Then we went to tailor-made services, financial wealth management, everything that comes with this, the famous family offices and so on. Uh, what did we forget? High spirits and uh, buying very luxurious cars as a part of it. And we wanted to find out what really matters to them, meaning how do they make their purchasing decisions? And as with everything in customer experience, every, customer experience always says it's about delighting customers, the wow thing, which I think is absolutely ridiculous and nothing could be farther from the truth. So there's one myth already busted, as we Not could that. say, because this search for delight will never work. The only thing you can delight, as my colleague always says, you can delight your company into bankruptcy. How do customers make decisions? They make decisions based upon who is the best in avoiding bad experiences. So it's not about even delighting, not about satisfying. It's like, who gives me less bad experiences? Now you might think that might be true for a regular service, a regular product, retail. But what about the uber luxury and the luxury? Let me tell you a story. Every time I work with a luxury company and I walk into their boardroom, I said, what's, what's your unique value proposition? And of course, they say, we want to exceed customers' and clients' expectations. Of said, course, that, another, another buzzword, right? We're, this is, we're, we're oh, exceed buzzwords. expectations. Absolutely, absolutely terrible expect yeah. 
I do not know where they get that from, but apparently with the mother milk, when you work in luxury, you get this. Whenever I'm asked what I'm going to do is I exceed customer expectations. So we always go through a little exercise. I tell the managers, just write down how you want to be, uh, want to have your expectations met, just met, not exceed. So you have three to five persons, they write everything down. And then an hour later, we present it on slides. And I said, is that realistic that you can even meet it? And they say, no, completely unrealistic. And I said, well, what you do is say, we not only meet it, we will exceed it. But you don't even know what these people want. So why, what are you doing? And what they're doing is very clearly voiced by our billionaires we are talking to, they say, mismanaging expectations. Promise the world and you deliver the exact opposite. So the only thing you do there is by raising this expectation so is creating more chances for dissatisfaction. When you think about it, a, a negative word of mouth travels much faster and with more impact than a positive word of mouth. So if you're in already such a niche market as the ultra high net worth individuals are, there are not too many of them on our planet, 0.3% qualify for it. So it's not a lot of people, but they talk. And when they talk to each other, how do you think your chances are that you're gonna succeed delivering the customer experience? So the rule number one, what every single one of them tells us, don't mismanage my expectations. Be frank. Tell me it's not going to be the moon. Don't promise me the moon. And then what I'm going to get is clearly not what I was looking for. Tell me sincerely what you can deliver. Manage my expectations and it's going to be fine. But these imaginary pressure, oh, we cater to the ultra high net worth individuals. It needs to exist. It's not there because they will tell you, listen, I'm not only buying a super yacht. I'm not only buying uh, wealth management. I'm not only buying private aviation, sports, car, private islands. I know how all of you work. I compare and contrast. And what I want from you guys is manage my expectations better. Be honest, be transparent. Don't promise the Give me something realistic because I know it's not possible. So why do you promise it? You just raise my expectation, which then leads to dissatisfaction. This, then this the next- great jump into, yeah. Exactly, the great jump into the article. So you, you, you talked about, there's four of these lessons. You just talked about the first one. You call it manage expectation, and then you put in parentheses, miss. So mismanage, don't mismanage expectations. That's exactly. number one. What are the other three? Of this what is the number two on the list, Neil? Tell me. <laughs> well, so number two in my notes is, and I don't have the yeah. article in front of me, it's in front of me, it's on the computer screen, but for my yeah. notes is the importance of personal relationships. Exactly. Now think about uh, these four, what we call parts of the framework cannot be seen in isolation. They all work with each other. And what, uh, what we find in the Uber luxury is a tendency to focus on the product, the product, the heritage, the culture, all this thing that comes. But at the end of the day, if you ask these people, they say, it's the people I'm dealing with. 
Do I trust them? How do I manage my expectations? I always comes back to the same things. How are they working with me? You know? And it's very clear there too is be honest. If something goes wrong, not a problem. It's about transparency and building trust. Because these people know that these go wrong. Because the people we are talking about are people who run or run large business around the globe. So they know how it is. They know the reality of it. And they can say, listen, just be honest. Yeah. Uh, so I just re realized we didn't define for the audience, and this is in your article, um, the definition of ultra high net worth individual, I believe is uh, net earnings or net, net wealth of $30 million and above. Is that correct? Yeah, $30 million. That means uh, $30 million net worth, meaning besides what's already invested in so on. Yeah, so it's a, it's a very unique segment, to say the least. But when we look at it, the power it has and the power these people have, and in terms of reputation, making brands, destroying brands, and also for some industries that we are working with, look at the super yacht industry. You have these shipyards, and they are happy to have one customer's every three to five years because they only have the resources and competencies to build one 120 meter yacht every three years you know that's all they can do and they're very happy to get one of them you know not everybody is a Lewis or others yeah so these people are kind of frickly so to say <laughs> yeah very frickly. tell us what the third item is i mean i could tell you i got my list but i want to i want to hear from you because i love this third one and then when we finish the fourth one, I'm going to make an observation that you're going to either love or you're going to tell me, Neil, you're crazy. You didn't understand the article. I, I can't wait to get to that. But, but, but let's first get through the, the rest of the list. Point number three of your list of the findings, what is it? Um, let me just check because we, so we just published two others which came pretty much at the same month. Can you help me out? In it? I'm publishing yeah, pretty much. I, I'm going to help you with your article. I love this. So, so yeah. here it is. Um, achieving convenience, convenience-driven time savings. Oh, yeah, time. Actually, we, we just published another article that clearly says that time is the, the, and I cannot emphasize that enough, the currency of the future for customer experience. Because these people have very little time. They are all busy, they run business globally, etc., etc. And the thing that they do not have time is time. That they do not have is time. And why do they need time? Because they want time to spend it with their precious ones, with their family, with their beloved ones, with their friends. So if you help them to gain valuable time, they will use it in the best possible way. So think about these people have everything. So all this uh, luxury is normally about social status and prestige. These people couldn't care less because they can buy everything, literally. So they are not looking at prestige or social status. They have it all. But what they're missing is taking time for their precious ones. 
spending them with their beloved ones. And if you can deliver this, this is what we call in the other article, priceless. It's like the uh, MasterCard commercials, you know, like buying a ticket yeah. that much, da, 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 spending a day with your son in the ballpark, priceless. And these people tell us, being with my kids, relaxed, enjoying them, no phone calls whatsoever, having valuable time with them is priceless. This, yeah. These people do not mind to be on a challenger with their kids and fly somewhere because they say, if I fly first class, vacation starts when I reach my destination. If I fly private, the moment I leave home, my vacation starts. And they say, yes, it's a ridiculous amount of money to pay for it. But to have this time with my kids and the peace of mind, priceless. Correct. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I can't wait to circle back. I'm going to circle back on this one in a minute. Yeah. The fourth item of the findings is extraordinary personal experiences. Tell us about that yeah. one. Well, that goes immediately after three. When you look at it, number one and number two, mismanaging expectations and the personal relationship is what my relationship with the provider is, provider for the lack of a better word. But now I look at what it means to me, what matters most to me. I need the time and the time to spend it with my beloved ones because often these things give me the most memorable experience in my life. Let me give you an example. We talked about somebody purchasing his, uh, uh, his first super yacht. And he said, to get there and to own it is a headache. It's like running a, a company. And I don't want to run companies anymore. And I'm only on the boat for four weeks. My wife says, you're insane. All the headache it costs. But he says, Professor, when we were out there and my kids were for the first time swimming in the ocean and they could see dolphins right next to us and the expression on their face, I will never forget. And this is an experience that none of us will ever forget. And for this, just for this moment, all the headaches, it was worth it. So when you look at it, it all comes back. So it's almost like two sides of the coin. One, what people can provide, and two, what people are going to get out of it. But of course, mismanaging expectations and personal relationship only works if you know what these people really want is time so they can spend it with their beloved ones and create experiences of a lifetime. So it all comes back together. So here's what I want to challenge us uh, as we talk about this. Please. There are at, at least two of these, two of the four, that I believe are universal, meaning it doesn't matter the size of your net worth. You could be an ultra high net worth individual, you could be a high net worth individual, or you could be a poor son of a you know what that has to deal with the utility company every month and paying your bill and worrying about getting your service cut off but I think that the underlying values here pertain to all demographic segments. 
specifically, managing expectations. I think all customers want to have their expectations managed correctly, not just because you're high net worth or an individual. You don't want to be lied to. You want to uh, have done what they tell you they're going to do. You don't want surprises. You don't want, we're going to borrow again the, the term friction. You don't want friction. Don't all customers want that? And then the same thing, I think, for uh, the, the third item about convenience. People want convenience. They don't want to have to go the extra mile. They don't want to have that to put it forth the extra amount of effort to call uh, and escalate to a supervisor or write a letter or write an email three different times. Customers don't want that stuff. And I don't think it matters necessarily if you're high net worth or like I said before, you're a poor, you know what? I think we all want the same thing, don't we? Neil, I absolutely know where you're coming from. And I agree to a certain extent, but nowhere we will find the excess of mismanaging expectations and the impact higher than with the ultra high net worth individuals and in the luxury business. Because every other business is pretty much there. We are there to satisfy you, you know. We want to take good care of you. But no one saying is we will exceed your expectation. The only ones that have that is the luxury industry which traditionally caters to the high net worth individuals and the ultra high net worth individuals. And while some things are common, the role they play in the life of an ultra high net worth individuals is different from every other person, meaning the emphasis of it, how it's maximized is higher because all the other moderating and mediating things that we experience are not there for them so they, they for them it's almost magnified does that make sense it does yeah no i agree it, it, it it's magnified maybe because they can magnify it meaning they can shout louder they can they have more means to um that will look, certainly be a way to look at it but to be quite honest i also believe that a lot of the things that uh these industries are doing are already catering on such a high level in a way from service quality and these things that we always say uh, um, tailor-made you know one-on-one -on -one, everything is custom so a lot of things that we would perceive as exceeding are for them just level normal you know so it's again it's they are in a way very unique but the most fascinating thing is for me and for us as researchers is when you look at the Maslow hierarchy of needs, all needs they can satisfy easily, even the highest one. And it comes back to them to say, it's about the time I can spend with my beloved ones. You know, all this other stuff, self, well, I already have that, I achieved that which is kind of normally the pyramid ends it's on the top and therefore we should be finished there but we are not they go back and say no it's something else you know which i think is great you know because it extends and extends our thinking of needs for lack of a better word you know i want to ask you a separate question that's outside of the article but it certainly made me think about this and i and i think about it a lot um, I don't know if I believe in it, but I want to ask your, your view since you've spent time 
really honing in and looking at this luxury segment. There is a often repeated phrase that customers will pay more for better service. Is that in fact true? Mm, not necessarily. As a scientist, again, I look at the facts. We don't, uh, first of all, customers, is a service can never be separated from a product. You know, this, uh, this distinction between one and the other, I don't really see. And service... Sorry, I, I like this. You're, you're onto this. This is, this is good. Keep going. Yeah. And also, when we think about it, you know, everybody always thinks about service, service, service. And what they think is the first two stages of customer experience. Customer experience comes in three stages. Before the purchase, during the purchase, post-purchase, or consumption. What service people focus on is to the moment where we get the money, you know, during the purchase. But where it's for all of us is when we would pay higher for it, is post-purchase experience. When we use stuff, when things break, when things go wrong, when we need to quantify, qualify. And every CEO I always ask when we have our initial discussion, I said, okay, what's more important, to the point of purchase or post-purchase? They say 50-50, it's as important to acquire than to maintain. So I always have a follow-up question. What about the budget? Ah, budget 80% to acquisition, 20% of retention. I said, now, now you got it wrong. Because after the purchase, is where we make our decisions, when we use stuff. So the service that we really need is after we purchase. So you focus on retail, selling, there you invest. But you own, this is only the minimum, the tiniest part of our experience. The experience that really counts is when we leave, when we bought, when we purchase, and there you fall short. So when people say um, service, first of all, I don't speak service, you know, service products. The only, people don't buy services. People don't buy products. People buy something to have an experience. So the most important experience is when I use things, and this is when you fall short. So I, I believe, or our research points out, people will be willing to pay more for after-purchase care. That's that easy. And the companies who do it well, who say, it's not important to get the customer, it's important to take care of them while they are doing it, are the ones who succeed. I mean, we worked with a car manufacturer which had the challenge that after you bought the car, everybody was highly satisfied, and three years later, no one came back, or only a minimum part of it. And they were wondering, how could that be happy? Our service, so great, highly satisfied. And I'm like, yes, because in the three years afterwards, when we drive your car, interact with you and with your service department, you did not deliver. Ah, okay. There must be, and the companies who do it well have a balance. Actually, the best and most performing companies, the most profitable ones, focus on the post-purchase experience. Why? Because you and I, Neil, if we have a great post-purchase experience, what do we do? We talk about it. 
and who do other customers rely on for information and decision-making process? Not marketing, not advertising, not promotions. You and I, fellow customers, who say, you should go to these guys. So their marketing budget also heavily reduced because they don't need to do it. They say, we take care of our customers, they take care of us. And there we come back to the same old thing. Customer experience is simple. You know, we are not reinventing the wheel. <laughs> it's simplicity. Take care of your customers and they take care of you. This is wonderful. I, I, I like this so much. This is a, a topic, by the way, for I think a next visit back, hopefully, if you will come back and, and spend more time with us. This is, I, I want to riff more on this one. Want to continue to more. Uh, th thank you. So I, I want to, what we do with all of our guests when they come on, yeah. we ask them a series of questions and you've yes. prepared ahead of time some, some interesting thoughts here. We already delved into just one of them just superficially before we hit record, but I would love to know your version of a CX myth that needs to be busted. Commonly held idea or thought that just is just not true, not accurate. Something that you would like to destroy. What would that be? Well, one of them we already destroyed is that uh, you should delight your customers. The only thing that you can delight is delight your company into bankruptcy. Customers what great, focus. What a great quote. What a great quote. Right. Say that again. The only thing, say it again, repeat it if you wouldn't delight mind. Delight is delight your company into bankruptcy. <laughs> I love that. Gosh, I Thank love you. that. Well done. Yeah. That's one okay. of the myths. So delight. Yeah. yeah, delight certainly Go on. is one. I think delight is, is, is bollocks. I, I, I agree with you. So, so customer delight. Are, are there any others that you would like to, to, to destroy? Ah, yeah. We, uh, we had a recent article about a year ago that uh, it's about emotions, you know, emotions and customer experience also very, very sexy. Everybody talks about it. And we find out that if a customer has positive emotions, it doesn't mean that he is loyal, repurchases or increases the share category. On the other side, if you have negative experience, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're not choosing that provider again. Again, these are sort of generalizations that are just not working. You know, you need to look at this more in depth. When does it apply? How does it apply? There are moderating effects, mediating effects. The whole um, great CX leads to profitability is this is a linear relationship relationships between human beings and behavior are non-linear so we cannot just condense it down to happy customers happy profits it's not working this way and of course if they are happy when you measure it meaning in the time of purchase everything looks hunky-dory and three years down the line your, competi your competition takes over and you wonder, how did that ever happen? People were so happy. They gave me a 10 on the NPS and they went somewhere else. How did that happen? Too many in general. I mean, I love CX because there are so many myths in CX which are so easily to bust with science because they just do not apply. They sound great, you know, they give the people who do it a lot of uh, great quotes and I like to listen to, but customer experience is not simple. And every time a silver bullet comes out, 
be it a measurement or whatsoever, we already know as scientists it won't work. Because customer experience is about human beings. And human beings are complex. And when you look at companies who do customer experience well, what do they do? They embrace complexity. Others avoid complexity, maybe with easy measures, software, or whatsoever. It never works. Why? Because it's complex. So you either embrace it and you are really up to something, or you just stick with the others and hope it will pass. <laughs> but it won't. Because we are customers. The cool thing is, cannot fake. I mean, you can fake probably social responsibility, sustainability, and whatever it is for a while. But with the customer experience, we feel if it's not up to the task. We feel it, you know. Customer experience cannot be fake. So we can see it, we feel it, and we decide upon it. And today, great world we live, you know. If you don't like something, there are many others who would like to have your businesses. You just move on. Back in the days, we didn't have options. Today, we move on. This is great. Uh, I'm going to ask you the final question that we'd like to ask our guests. Uh, we are here together with you today because of an individual that introduced us, uh, talking about the importance of human beings, human contact, human relationships because of that relationship that each of us have with that individual, we've gotten to know each other a little bit, and that person is your CX hero. Please describe that person, who is it? It's Christopher Brooks. Not just my CX hero, but a CX hero. Christopher is different. You don't meet a lot of people like Christopher's, which are unselfish, good to the core, with a huge heart and really understand customer experience. Christopher was the first customer experience people who approached me and said, we really like the approach because it's scientific, it's unbiased and so on. But why do I really consider Christopher not just a great person, but a friend? It's because he understands it. He understands what experience is all about. He never cuts corners. He always takes the hardest way because he knows it's the right way. This is the people we need. He's the one who points out to the cowboys. He's the one who says, no, not with me. He's the one who never sets himself on the pedestal. He's the one who looks at the background. If something is not what he believes in, he's not in. And look what a great thing he created with the Customer Experience World Games. I know I, I make fun of him. As he said, when he ran it by me, I'm like, I'm not so sure about that. It's, I say, if you, if you manage it and you, you have it taken off, props to you. And look what he did with it. And it's not because it's the Customer Experience World Games, because it's almost a mirror of what Christopher is all about. He is somebody that really cares. This is what customer experience is about. Customer experience is not about cure, it's about care. And no one, in my humble opinion, represents that better than Christopher. 
Well said. Christopher Brooks, we know you're going to listen to this. Uh, thank you for uh, giving us the opportunity to get to know Professor Dr. Uh, Klaus to, uh, and for doing what you do, creating and executing now over several years the CX World Games. You are a compassionate, caring individual. Uh, and uh, for that, I fully applaud uh, the selection of you as the CX hero uh, by, by Professor Dr. Klaus. Um, this is a wonderful session. There's lots of things that we kind of, uh, we delve deep into a few of them. There's a few we touched on the surface. Uh, we would definitely like to invite you back for a future time to spend together with you to, to, to get deeper. Um, we hope you will accept our invitation and, and, and find a time at, at some point into the schedule where you will return to our podcast. We would be delighted. You know, we just had something, uh, uh, a big research project on artificial intelligence, which will also kind of change the way people look at it. And just as a little snippet, in less than four years, 50% of all the service interaction will be with AI chatbots. What percentage? 50 at least, half of it. And you know why? Because we as customers need it and we want it. Take that CX community. That's a controversial statement that many of us don't believe in or don't want to accept yet. I personally do. There's a lot that don't want to believe that or accept it yet. And it's understandable, you know, human beings don't have a, how should I say, a predisposition to be open to change. But when we look at consumers and we run all the experiments, they are like, we are all over it. Who wouldn't want to have it, you know, continuity. The same person at the same time knows you, listens to you, unlimited, no holding, no repeat information. My voice is there. And off it goes. And two of the of your four items on the list. Yeah. Managing expectations. You know what you're going to get from the chatbot and the artificial intelligence. Yeah. And convenience-driven time savings. Exactly. And, and most people even, I mean, we just do a piece of research on Alexa. People have what we would consider equivalent to human relationships with somebody like Alexa or Siri which is also an interesting part of uh, when you look at our society in general, if your best friend is Alexa. But hey, I'm not judging, I'm just yeah. reporting. <laughs> not that there's anything wrong with it, agreed. No. Agreed. Yeah. Professor Dr. Phil Klaus, it was wonderful to host you. Uh, thank you for your time. Thank you for your ideas. We will definitely have you back uh, in the in the uh, spotlight with us. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, audience, once again, this was Season 2, Episode 35, CX of the Rich and Famous. And as we always like to do, give us a rating or a review. Uh, we want to hear your feedback. We want to know, uh, not because we want to delight you. We just want to make you hopefully happy and come back and make you feel good about what you experienced with us. Share some ideas with us. We appreciate it. Once again, Professor Dr. Foucault, thank you so much. Thank you. The episode is over, but the conversation continues. Please rate and review us in Apple Podcasts. Post a comment and subscribe to stay on the leading edge of customer experience. To get in touch or be a guest, follow us on Twitter at ChatsFires. 
or on LinkedIn or in your podcast repository of choice. Thank you.